Welcome to Thinking Like a Lawyer with your hosts, Ellie Mistal and Joe Patrice, talking about legal news and pop culture, all while thinking like a lawyer, here on Legal Talk Network. Hello, and welcome to a very special edition of Thinking Like a Lawyer. I Actually, I don't know as though there's anything particularly special about it, but I just thought, you know, shake it up a bit. I'm Joe Patrice from Above the Law. With me also is Ellie Mistal. Oh, the weather outside is frightful. Yeah, but the mic not- is so delightful. And since you've no place to go, let me scream into your ear for half an hour. Mm. Cool. I plant my my dulcet tones. Yeah. You you played your your electric crickets wizardry. Yeah. Against my dulcet wintry tones. I sure did. Yeah. See, that's the power of controlling the soundboard. You don't get any chestnuts. Mm. Interesting. <laughs> uh, yeah. No, it's snowing here. It's lovely. Oh, I hate it. I don't know when I got so old that my knees became a goddamn barometer. Yeah, that's a problem, isn't right? it? Like yeah. when you can feel the weather coming in your bones, that's how good people end up in Florida. Yep. Right? That's not what I'm pissed off about today, though. Okay. I'm pissed off about something way more petty. Which is? I'm not verified on Twitter. That's true. You don't have a blue check mark. What in the hell do I have to do? Who do I have to literally have sex with to get verified on Twitter? Well, I don't know anymore. The issue is it used to be a completely arcane process and nobody knew and they were very guarded about letting anybody do it. Then what they did was create a little bit more open process and there was a, for a brief period, a stated process whereby you would apply and show that you did certain things, you had a certain verifiable presence, uh, and then they would let you be verified. And you got in during that brief window of, like, transparency. Yes. When there was a process to do it, I took the effort to do the process, yes. I did not because no, did not. I was under the impression that Twitter verification was something that happened to you when Twitter decided that you that they should do that for you. And that is how it had been before. And yes. apparently it's how it is now. Yes. But it's pissing me back. off now because I feel like I I am now wherever I'm supposed to be, I should be I'm there mm. in terms of Twitter reach to be verified by these people. I mean are you a recognized Nazi leader? Because as far as I can tell, that's how you get verified now. Exactly. I'm yeah. not a recognized Nazi. Well, see, there you go. But the recognized Nazi leaders troll me, which I feel is, you know, yeah. what sec- which, which should also lead to verification. Yeah. If I'm important enough to be threatened by the Nazis that are verified, then I should be important enough to be verified. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, no, I... Uh, you I, speak from such a level of well, I, I, comfort I, and privilege. Because I am verified, so I am very much in this uh, world where I I just feel things different. The air's sweeter, the perks are better. You're at the, you got to the top of the treehouse, and now you're just pulling up the ladder behind you. Yeah. Modern day Clarence Thomas. No, uh, you can absolutely. Modern day. I said that yeah, as right. if he was dead. You did. <laughs> or, that, or as he was alive during like, well, this, the Civil War and now he's dead. This podcast's not going to air for a few days, so you still got a chance. <laughs> don't um, talk about that. But, uh, I don't need a visit from Treasury. Yeah, you know, I got uh, 
I got verified. It, and it was a harder um, thing. I mean, other people we know did their applications dutifully as well and got rejected. So um, I was very privileged from the overlords at Twitter to uh, have put together a package that they liked. Twitter, if you're listening to this podcast, if you're listening to this podcast, how am I not verified? A. But if you're listening to this podcast, I'd like to be verified now. Yeah. Well, so let's get on to our our, our topic today. Uh, by the time this airs, um, law students will be well into finals, final exam prep. Yeah. Um, some law schools will actually have started their finals. Other law schools will be about a week out. Kind of depends on cool. where you're going. But certainly, you will you will be done with your first set for one L's. You'll be done with your first set of law school exams in the coming weeks. And so, Joe and Ellie, we wanted to to give you our kind of best tips for final exam preparation. Mm -hmm. I will start with um, one of, I think, the most important tips that you can, you can, you can give. Um, getting your music right. Okay. All right. It is important to have, especially if you're taking one of these like eight-hour finals, it is important to have the right musical accompaniment. It is important to have the right musical accompaniment the night before, perhaps, to get you kind of fired up and get your, get your head in the right place. Um, now, my personal favorite for finals music is, and I'm going to date myself a little bit, although mm. I, 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 not so much because there's a reboot. Um, it's the it's the final fight music to the Rocky movie. Okay. Um, that that ending bit, right when he, the actual fight music, da 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 bum bum ba da ba dum ba ba bum. That really inspires me, and I'll tell you why. Because Rocky lost. Because Rocky's goal was not to win. It was to survive. Okay, all and right. And that is the mindset you need to be when you take an eight-hour final, all right? I can't, Adrian, Adrian, I can't beat this test. But I, but if, I, if the test was over and I'm still standing, I would know for the first time in my life that I ain't some bum from the neighborhood. That's, that's you versus torts, all right? Yeah. You're not going to beat. Torts. You just need to be standing at the end of the torts exam. Rocky music. That's my that's my hype music for for a law school final. Interesting. What's yours, Joe? I think I listened to some Wagner while I did. The, uh... <laughs> no, actually, I speaking did. of trying to beat the yeah. test. Yeah, actually, I did. But for a, and also speaking of Nazis, like it all comes full circle. <laughs> no, uh, I did. But for a completely dumb reason, which was. Um, my crim law exam was an issue spotter where he had actually taken the entire uh, ring cycle and just had all the crimes, like the plot written out and was like, use the New York penal code and charge everybody. <laughs> it was cute. And so because of that, I dug up like the ride of the Valkyries thing <laughs> while I rolled through it. Exactly. I thought you were going to say Mulan. What? I thought you were going to say Mulan. Mulan. Yeah, no. No, I have. I, I'm scarred by that. Oh, make a man out of you. You do. Under, you, you don't know that I like get PTSD from that song. Yes, I had. Um, <laughs> I had a debater that I coached who played that on blast on and on repeat before every debate he did for like two years. So I, I don't, I don't get along well with that song anymore. It's such great hype music. All right, let's get some. Let's get some more real advice. Mm -hmm. Um. In your final prep, in your final study, yep. um, before the exam, what what are you trying to accomplish with the with, with your final kind of final cram sessions? Really, it's kind of facility with the uh, facility with the rhetoric. I feel um, the way in which at least 
most exams. I mean, I know there are people out there in this world who give true, like multiple choice exams, which, okay. But (laughs) congratulations on all your success. Yeah, exactly. Uh, But for those that are issue spotting, essay questions, the way in which these are getting graded, you've got to kind of get in the mindset of going backwards. They're not getting graded by you writing something really, truly inspiring and beautiful about the problem at hand. They're getting kind of check marks as you mention concepts in the right places for them to be mentioned. So that facility with the rhetoric is the real key. Being able to say, when I see problems that involve these concepts, these are the like nine buzzwords that a professor's gonna want to hear and how and what they mean. You know, like don't and not empty buzzwords, but really be able to say, this is what, you know, Newmeyer means in a conflict of laws exam. And you know you have to mention that and you also have to mention this other test. And like knowing the rhetoric, the case names, the the doctrines and being able to, anytime you see that question, know I have to write something that mentions these nine concepts and then just go. I feel like that's the most important thing to get used to because once you know how these exams are getting graded, it becomes a lot easier to excel at them. My big thing, the day before, the two days before a final exam, I wasn't trying to learn anything anymore. Mm-hmm. Like whatever learning I was yeah, that, or wasn't gonna do, that, that ship had sailed. Mm-hmm. Um, all I was trying to do at the end was to organize myself, especially if you're taking an open books exam, right? You're just trying to organize the information that you have so that you can get to it in a kind of timely manner without kind of fumbling all through your notes and your your briefs and whatever. So, you know, one uh, for instance, um, taking an evidence exam, you know, you had you bookmarked or you posted it or you you knew where the thirteen hearsay I think there were thirteen the thirteen hearsay exceptions are, right? You try to memorize. The exceptions, that's for the bar exam. For the for the law school exam, you just want to know where they are so that when you saw the hearsay issue in the evidence issue spotter, you didn't have to you, all you had to do was go to that part in your book where all the exceptions were written out clearly for you, right? Um, in that way, you're not trying to cram information into your head that you don't need to have on permanent recall if you're taking an open book exam. And that was a tip that I got from an actual practicing lawyer Mm -hmm. um, about law school, but also kind of talking about how when you're actually practicing, you don't have to memorize all of this stuff. You have to know where this stuff is. Yeah, and and that is exactly true. And it's something that obviously professors run the gamut of skill level, no offense all. But good professors, if if they're making the choice to make the exam be open book, if they know what they're doing, that's what they're testing. Exactly. They aren't trying to test you on knowing the concepts. They're trying to test how well you can keep organized and find and apply what you need to apply. That's the professional skill that they want if they're giving you 24, 36 hours, right. whatever, to work on it. Think about think about just the name of an issue spotter. The The point of an issue spotter question, if you haven't taken one and you don't know oh – God, if you don't know what we're talking about a couple of days before your exam – you're in trouble. Um, yeah, right. <laughs> the issue spotter exam is that they give you a very kind of long fact pattern, and they tell you to kind of explain all of the if it's a criminal law, explain all the crimes in this, yeah. you know, whatever. Explain who's liable if it's a tort exam in this fact pattern, right? So if you think about the concept of an issue spotter, it's not to have automatic recall of the law. It is to literally be able to spot the issues. And having spot having spotted the issue, then you just need to be able to go back to your notes and find the right answer to the issue that you successfully, correctly, intellectually spotted. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, that and and that's true. Like, no, I had a lot of exams that were in class. You know, the two hour window exams, and those weren't testing that. They were trying to test you on your ability to recall things, understand, and apply. But yeah, the take homes they're asking with an eye towards, of course you have it in front of you, how well can you find it? And that that is a professional skill. How did you deal with uh, time pressure? Pretty well, generally. Um, I'm, I'm a fast test taker, generally speaking. I was like the third person done with the bar exam. Like, it, it's not really a, a problem for me. Um, and I've never known why that is. Like, I just, I write fast, I think fast, I talk fast. I, I also, that's not helpful advice, Joe. Uh, yeah, no. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I'm coaching this very much like Jordan coached when he was with the, when he was with the, um, just hit the, the magic. Shot. Just hit the goddamn shot. Yeah. Do, <laughs> watch me now do that. Um, yeah. So I don't, I don't really have much to say on that. I am also a very fast ta- test taker. Um, my bar story. I don't remember when I finished the bar relative speaking, but I do remember feeling so comfortable with the amount of time that I had to finish the exam that I took a dump and, you know, that I went to the bathroom and took a dump. Thanks for that. Yeah. Cause I was that relaxed. Um, however, I have, unlike you put some thought into why. Okay. And, and one of the tricks or the, or the mental training that I've done in order to take standardized tests, exams relatively fast, is that I do not waste a lot of time telling myself I know the answer to something that I don't know the answer to. Right, right? that's fair. I, I'm very comfortable with my own level of knowledge and my own lack of knowledge. So when I see a question, you know, I, I, it's, the Arist- it's the Aristotelian, I know enough to know what I don't know, right? So when I see a question, especially in a multiple choice situation, um, that I don't know the answer to, I do not spend a lot of time trying to guess trying to guess at it. I just guess yeah. and move on trying to get to a question that I am going to know the answer to, supposed to belaboring the question that I've I'm shooting blind at. Oh, uh, that 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 is good advice. Yeah. Um I think so on the multiple choice exams if if you're taking one in your in your semester time, try to remember that, try to not to belabor the point. Um either you know it or you don't. If you don't know it, like guess and move on. Um don't feel bad, just you know, fight the sadness, keep moving. For the uh, take-home exams and for the essay answers and those kinds of things, certainly organization helps you with with the speed. Mm -hmm. The other thing that helps you, I think, when you're trying to write fast is to – and this is, again, a a really critical legal skill that's going to at least be very important by the time you get to the bar exam – the, the the key is to prioritize the information, not merely regurgitate the information, mm-hmm. right? So spend, like before you start writing, before you start typing, take two seconds and try to think about what the most important point is and start there. Mm-hmm. Don't just start with saying everything you can think of to say. Try to spend an extra two or three seconds organizing your information, prioritizing your information, because when you do that, it will decrease the chances that you waste a lot of time repeating yourself, right? Yeah. If you say the most important thing straight up top, then by the, then, then you don't run the risk of having to refer back to the most important thing three times in your answer because right. you're afraid that maybe the professor might have missed that you knew that part of the answer. Yeah, no, that's fair. So there's a controversial subject, but uh, but I think we can we can – this is a safe enough space that I think we can broach it. Other outlines, other people's outlines, other than the ones you wrote. Thoughts? 
I never wrote an outline. There you go. <laughs> There's why would I waste time doing something that other people are going to do for me and either sh give with me for free or I can literally buy a professional version of it um, if, I, if the course is, is open-ended enough and, and, and basic yeah. enough, right? Um, no, I never wrote my own goddamn, that's what a gigantic waste of time that was. Well, How could I have played Madden? Well, right. If I was writing outlines. I suppose that's fair. I did a hybrid approach. Uh, depending on how good the outline I had from somebody else was, I would write my own. Um, so I, I probably wrote my own 60 to 70% of the time. And then the really? others. Yeah. The, uh, but, but yeah, when you find good ones, and that's a thing, with, especially when you reach a point where you have access to like a, a law review sort of situation where it's like, oh, yeah, the person who headed the law review three years ago wrote this outline, and uh, you can you can take it. That's the best ones, because now you're dealing with somebody who not only took that class, but obviously excelled in it, uh, and that, that helps. But taking them kind of blind, I, I was against, and sometimes they were disjointed and bad. My best grade of all in law school, though, for a variety of reasons, I didn't go to class um, for most of it uh, because I was out of town running around. But I discovered that the professional outline that one could order, there was a version of the professional outline that was the exact same authors of the casebook. That's that's huge. Which is huge because a lot of these commercial outlines are very useful at kind of broad concepts. But if they are not tracking your casebook, there is some play there that you're missing. Uh, this was the literal people who wrote the casebook, wrote a companion outline. So since I didn't go to class, all I did was read that, and I demolished the curve in that class to the point where people got mad. One trick that I didn't learn until I was, until I was a 2L was that I would buy uh, or, or access the outline that I was going to use before classes started and then have that be my roadmap when I was actually in class. Oh, that's good. Um, so that you, you know, you you get the outline. You now you've got the overview of what's going to happen. You hope, but then if you actually go to class, then you're not taking blind notes. You're kind of putting in the notes that you're taking in class. Kind of you're infusing them into the outline that you're. Already, I mean, you can the outline that you already have on your computer. Right. Um, and I found that to be effective at least to the extent that i was still going to class after i got my job offer which, which was not well, yeah <laughs> which is a different podcast episode but i but i only kind of figured that out by the time i was a 2l because when i when i was a 1l and i guess there are arguably people who are listening to this podcast who do not know this when i was a 1l i didn't know that outlines existed right oh right? no like i i i did not know that for most courses Somebody in the previous class and the, the last the previous classes that have taken the class with that professor has actually written out detailed notes and disseminated them around the school. Yes. And if you network correctly or if your school has a, a an outline bank or whatever, you can just go and get the notes for your own class and use that as study materials. Absolutely. For the final. But like I didn't know that was a thing. Oh wow, until, you should have figured that out. I mean, honestly, until around until around now, until right before around ah. Thanksgiving, my went all year, I did not know that these things existed. Yeah. No, um, and super useful. At first, it felt like cheating, and then it just felt like intelligence, which is kind of like the best cheating, right? Like, that's what... Right. You mean I can push the receiver off if the ref doesn't notice, and that... Well, yeah. How it, else would you catch a pass? Right. You're going to do it, that. 
It's uh, no, that, that's a very useful skill. I feel like a lot of people study for a variety of dumb reasons. Like, remember, I said earlier, I want to make this clarification. I said earlier that the way they grade these things is concepts, and you want to be able to know those concepts and put them in. That is not to say that you should approach it as flashcards, which a lot of people do, where they're just like, just flashcard, just know this word, it, because those get very a contextual. Uh, and I know a lot of people who know a bunch of these words, but don't know where they fit within yeah, certain yeah. kinds of things. So I wanted to clarify that because I do think it's important to be vocabulary based, but not to the you know not to the extent that you're just going through flashcards. Speaking of slightly controversial subjects, how what, what is your feeling on study groups? I never, I never did them. I, I really didn't. I mean, we need like a conservative. We we can't agree. This this is bad that we did the same thing. <laughs> like, I mean, this like, is why we're friends. But right? Like, yeah. <laughs> no. Like, it, what was I going to gain out of sitting and listening to other people other than I, I've already heard their opinions because I sat in the class. You know, I've mean at, for me, especially at Harvard, where you have the reputation of. Oh wait, did you go to Harvard? I, I did. Oh, in interesting. I um, wondered how long for so, college and law school. So for um, anybody who was wondering, the twenty-minute mark is where that bet ends. <laughs> go on, drink, um, which has a reputation for being somewhat competitive mm. you know the one time i did it it was very obvious that the only reason why everybody was there was to kind of see where what everybody else knew to see if they were like the dumb one yeah. and once they felt satisfied like there was no sharing of best practices in these study groups it was peacocking right um granted i don't say that those were the only study groups available that was the one time i tried but Yes, for the most part, I was uh, uh, by myself with my own handle of gin and outline study, or not my own, obviously, um, and not going into the group setting um, to study. It, you're talking about this, and it got me thinking about the paper chase. What's the thing in their their study group, which falls apart in exactly the same ways that you just described, but like it's really kind of jarring how bad they are insulting each other. Like the, like the insults are just lame. And I'm trying to remember what it was they called, they started yelling at each other when that fell apart. So I remember last question, any advice for people uh, trying to complete uh, final papers? Oh, papers. <laughs> you know, uh, where the real intelligence comes out to shine. Yeah. I mean, papers are rough man uh because you've <laughs> got to like because there's no you almost excuse. actually have to know something to do yeah. the paper <laughs> god i hated that i hated when it when it was paper i i only had like two papers really and one was one class actually i had a ton of papers let me rephrase i only had two classes really that ran on papers and the uh one of them was a kind of weekly seminar thing where it was constant reaction papers and stuff and that was fine but like a You've got to get to the end of the year with your paper. It was actually a graduation requirement. That thing, yeah, because uh, time limits are good, man. I was finally we disagree on something. I was very good at papers for both the class, the the graduation requirement term paper, and the few like small seminar classes that I had that were entirely paper dependent. Um, for the small seminar stuff, just argue with the professor. 
it's such a slam dunk, easy way to me to get a B plus or better grade. Kind of, you get an A if you argue well, and you get a B plus for the good college try, right? But you almost don't have to spend a lot of time researching a lot of law. You just have to spend a lot of time listening to your professor and trying to prove them wrong and just 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 researching the law that you can to try to prove your professor wrong. The professor has obviously already thought about it all and is obviously going to be right and is I guess there's always the risk if you're a certain kind of person or if you've chosen incorrectly of getting the professor who's offended that you're arguing with him. But right. in my experience most of the uh, all the professors I tried this with, they appreciated the fact that I was listening to them enough, that I was paying attention to them enough to ignore them completely, to, to disagree with their central thesis, as opposed to doing some other kind of random good law uh, kind of thing. So that was a trick that at least worked for me um, in a seminar session for the long term papers. The, the easiest way to get through them is to just make it such a hyper-focused area of law, right? Do not go broad. Do not go general. Go on the most specific thing you can find. And then, first of all, if you're lucky, you might just end up in statutory interpretation, which to me is a lot, in a law school sense, a lot easier than yeah. con you know, constitutional interpretation or anything like that. Sure. Uh, or, or, or case law. But also, like, you were talking about how time limits are good. It's limiting the scope of what you're required to know in order to make a cogent point. Um, I think my 3L paper was on FDA regulation of hearing aids. Mm. Right? So, like, super specific. I was pretty good at admin law, so I wanted to do something in the admin space. I had my mother works in the healthcare industry, so I wanted to be able to kind of use her kind of practical right, concerns right, right. about it. Like, a bunch of stuff went into that to pick that topic, but that topic is such a specified, hyper-focused thing that I didn't have to know a lot. I had to know a lot about a little, and that was a much easier kind of hill to climb um, than some of the topics that other people did. Yeah, no, I, I just, I'm one of those folks who, uh, part of the part of the advantage of a legal career is you off, you most often when you're writing are for a specific point of view advocacy that you need done and you're doing it within a time limit. I am perfectly fine. You can, I could bang out three or four motions right now motions in lemonade right now you come to me and say here are the things we want to knock out go you sound uh, like you're in the big lebowski you want a motion in lemonade i can I get, get you, you one. i can get you one you want to know ways. yeah there are ways no and i could do those sorts of things but the idea of you don't really have a topic and you've got a year to deal with it is the exact opposite of how i like to go about writing i like being able to say there's a thing that needs to be accomplished and let's get that done um and those long papers are just not my uh my way of doing it that's why legal writing i love and the above the law writing i love it's also you find a story it's a thing that needs to be told on a relatively short deadline that's where i want to that's my sweet spot that's all I got. I hope this is helpful if you're uh, preparing to start taking your, your first uh, round of finals. Or or your next round of finals, frankly. I mean, I, 
people can always learn things from us, uh, you especially, because you went to Harvard twice. Remember, um, look, <laughs> if you want to clerk, this is incredibly important. True. And if you don't, it couldn't matter. It barely matters. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. It yeah. barely matters. Don't get a C and you'll be fine. Right. I think that's fair. It depends on <laughs> when. Do. It also depends on when you do. Uh, don't get a don't get a C in your first year. Yes, After exactly. that, <laughs> whatever. Anyway, okay. So that was that. Uh, y- thanks for listening, everybody. You should be following the show, subscribing, doing all those things, writing reviews, helping that out, following us at Above the Law. You should be following. I, we we don't do this enough. You should be following the Above the Law Twitter account. You should also be following at Joseph Patrice, at L-E-N-Y-C. should be listening to the other shows on the Legal Talk Network, listen to Book of Business and The Jabot from us, uh, our colleagues here at Above the Law. And with all of that, thanks so much. We're going to, we're entering the holidays here, so we, or at least one holiday, so we're going to be, we should be able to still have an, uh, if we don't have an episode next week, that's why, but uh, it looks like we're going to be able to. So uh, talk to you then. Let it snow, let it snow, let it snow. If you'd like more information about what you've heard today, please visit LegalTalkNetwork.com. You can also find us at AboveTheLaw.com, ATLRedline.com, iTunes, RSS, Twitter, and Facebook. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer.